0: Hello and welcome to Highlights, a podcast where we get a chance to highlight brotherhood works that are around us. I'm your host, Caleb Rutherford. And I'm your host, Michael Clark. And we are so excited that you are here for this particular podcast. I know this podcast has only just a couple of episodes. We're still kind of slowly putting these episodes out yet. Um, we have a great chance to tag a team with a lot of uh, different works while we're here at Polishing the Pulpit this week. That's why if the audio sounds maybe a little bit different, a little bit more background noise, we are recording uh, from inside the exhibit hall EHB. Uh, So if you're listening to this and we put this out while we're here at PTP, then please come by and see our booth. Uh, But Michael, we've got a lot of great stuff lined up for this podcast this week.
1: Yeah, it's hard when you're in a display center that's got I would say almost 100 different works that are represented to not get good content
0: out of that. So I'm really looking forward to the week. Definitely. We've got to take advantage of what we have available to us. On this particular episode, we have with us uh, Brother Dean Meadows, and he works with the Daily Apologist. Dean, thank you so much for being with us. Hey, thanks for uh, having me on the podcast. Absolutely. Glad I called you by the right name, even though I called myself (laughs) by the wrong name about two takes before this one. (laughs) Uh, But nonetheless, we're grateful that you're with us. As always, you can check out our website, scatteredabroad.org, for all the information there. We are on all podcast platforms, so wherever you find your podcast, look for us, and we will be there. Uh, let's dive in right into our episode for this particular uh, podcast. Dean, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah. So, uh, well, number one, I'm married to a lovely lady named Hillary Meadows. I've got three amazing kids that are waiting for me in Blacksburg, Virginia. I'm currently the campus minister out of the Blacksburg Church of Christ to the campus of Virginia Tech. Good deal. I'm also the executive director director of the Daily Apologist. Um, and so really, that's essentially who I am. I served in the Marine Corps for six years, but that's been many, many, many moons ago. So,
0: <laughs> so yeah. Well, that's also. Awesome. I know we want to get to the Daily Apologist work, but let me ask you this, your campus ministry, how do, what does that look like? What are some of the things you're able to do? So wh-
2: I love campus work because it pulls in for me the three things that I am absolutely uh, passionate about, my Christianity working with young adults, and also the ability to deploy um, the, the tools of apologetics to help, me, well, for, for me, to meet people where they are so that the gospel can change who they are. Um, and so what that looks like, actually, <laughs> later today, I'll be I'll be leaving to get back to Blacksburg as soon as this interview is over because we have a, a Welcome Back bonfire that we're doing okay. uh, for students in the area. Um, we'll, we'll go ahead, we'll do... Thursday night devotionals. We'll have a book club, and then every other Tuesday on campus, we will go down to the drill field. Uh, Tech's got a massive drill field for the corps cadets there, and we'll set up a tent with a a frame, and we'll have a question of the week. We'll call it "Talk About It Tuesday." But okay. we'll have a question like, "Does God exist?" And as students come <clears> by there and they want to t- chat and talk, we'll give them like, if it's in the winter, we'll give them something to like, like coffee, or uh, in the summertime, we'll give them. Um, like a Gatorade or a water and just sit down and have this conversation. Hey, what do you think about Jesus? Or does God exist? And what do we do with the Bible? Um, So that we can increase our presence on campus. But also, um, these are questions that um, are fundamental to human existence, uh, I think. Sure. Uh, Aristotle once said, "The unexamined life is not worth living," mm. and so I take that to heart in my in my campus work and Absolutely. also in our apologetics work too. So yeah,
1: yeah, that's impressive. There's a lot of people out there that they don't they don't know much about campus ministries because it to me I just started hearing about them within the last seven years. I didn't know that they were really going on and happening. It's a brilliant idea because you have all of these people that are in your area for a year at a time. And you have nothing to do but evangelize to them. And I've, I've often wondered how much good has been done in a positive way. You know, man, I can't help but think how many people have been reached because somebody had an idea. Hey, we need a campus minister because we have all these people that are going to be here. And that's just – that's really a great idea. And your strategy, I've seen before with uh, other – that we would call them denominational people who will try to prove the existence of God, mm. and they'll ask people to give their beliefs and such, and they have debates and conversations. And I always find myself watching those videos because it is it is interesting to see somebody say, well, what about this? And then the, the guy that's there is a, the campus minister or the person who's rented out the space or whatever. He says, well, actually, and then he gives an answer, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a great answer. Mm. And the person's looking at him like, I don't have anything else to say. And <laughs> right, that's right. that's really encouraging to know that there are a lot of people out there in the Lord's church that are working in that role that you're in trying to help the the people that are on campus.
2: Well, it is uh in my opinion outside of the the high school age group, it is the the battle line um front of the the battle line as far as culture cuz what what filters through the academy is going to filter into culture. And what filters into culture filters through the church. And so uh, I, I don't know, some people, some people at Blacksburg look at me like I'm a little weird because I, I enjoy that. I enjoy sitting down with people and having those discussions. And so uh, it's just the the perfect place for me uh, to be there in, in Blacksburg and on that on that campus. Yeah. And, and, and I guess it doesn't hurt that I'm a Virginia tech football fan. <laughs>
0: so would <will> imagine. Not. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah, I think that's, I definitely think campus ministry is something that's like a forgotten ministry or one that just people haven't explored. Um, and I think it's, but it certainly needs to be done. Um, there's so many of our young people who are <clears throat> going from, from high school into college and who, aren't equipped. They don't, right. know, they don't know what they're doing or why they believe the things that they believe. Um, I think that's so important. important. And,
2: and there's a stigma attached to campus <clears throat> ministry that it is just um, a youth group on steroids. Sure. Uh, what, what we're trying to build at Blacksburg is um, the dedicated servant leader who has the ability, by the time they get through tech, um, or or Radford, which is in the area, by the time they get through school, um, they are exposed to different worldviews. They know how to have discussions with different worldviews, uh, and they can feel comfortable having a conversation with literally anybody in culture. If you sure. can, if you can build a student that can, is comfortable having a conversation with anybody, is a dedicated servant to the Lord and a disciple maker. You've you've developed somebody that can fit in anywhere in the world, in whatever congregation they belong into, Absolutely. Or they belong to. So that's that's what we're after. Absolutely. That's our goal. That's so awesome. Yeah.
0: And I think that kind of probably builds into you.
1: Yeah, I, I just have one question because <coughs> I've always been curious about this. I know everybody goes home for the summer. Right. Most people do that. There's probably some summer classes and such. What happens in
2: between... You know, semesters and new school years starting. Right. So one of the things is you'll always have students that come that are local. Sure. And so you still minister to those students. Right. Gotcha. And so what we've started to deploy and use at Blacksburg is that's an opportunity for me uh, to go around to places like PTP and in conversations with people mm-hmm. just say... Have you considered starting a campus ministry mm-hmm. or, you know, do you have students who are looking to, you know, maybe like, like tech is one of the, is one of the best engineering schools in the country. A lot of our brotherhood schools don't, uh, and ag schools don't really focus on engineering and ag. So what if, sure. what if you have a student that's like, well, I, I want to go and be an engineer or I want to go and I want to work in agriculture, but I'm worried about that kind of atmosphere yeah well, we shouldn't limit uh, a student's ability to chase their passion just because there's not a healthy Christian environment <coughs> on that campus sure. so part of what I do is I promote the Virginia Tech uh, campus ministry, but also just in general promote campus ministries like i think if if a congregation has the ability and the means to 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 put up a campus ministry in their in their area next to a school. Uh, you know, they should they should definitely, definitely do that.
1: Well, and I know too, a lot of times growing up, we would hear the statement, got to go to a Christian school, got to go to a Christian school. And I agree with the sentiment of that. I, I mean, I went to a preaching school that is, you know, overseen by a work of the Lord's church. It's considered to be a work of the Lord's church. And so I know the importance of having Christian schools. But I think if people knew that there were solid churches in the area with a solid ministry, like you're talking about, going on at places like Tech and others, it would probably help them say, well, yeah, you could go there because this is the church you can plug into and you can do a great job there and everything will be great. If you could just make sure you plug into that area, you'll be fine.
2: Yeah. And and what I think, I don't know when the year was, but the Josh McDowell Institute said that um, between their freshman year and their high school year, the average high school student, 68 percent of them, will disengage from church. Mm-hmm. But of that 68 percent that disengages, 90 percent will walk away from church uh, when they're in college. Yeah. And so the question we have to ask is, okay, well, one, why is that happening mm-hmm. and two, what are we doing about it? Yeah, Absolutely. Right? So yeah. absolutely.:
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's such an important topic. We've got to retain our young people when they leave high school. That's uh, such a vulnerable part, vulnerable time in their lives. They're so, Im- they're still so impressionable, too. So it's great that y'all have <coughs> a campus ministry there that right. that's focused Plus, on Plus, I'm it. a big kid, so I fit right in with <laughs> all the students. So. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, obviously, you are involved in The Daily Apologist. Yeah. And that is a work that I personally really don't know a whole lot about. I know we've talked in passing just a couple of times. So why don't you tell our uh, our audience um, about the work that you're involved in with right. The Daily Apologist? Right.
2: So the way that this work came about was, I would say, let me see six years ago uh, I was at my desk I was preaching in Gastonia and a young lady that I knew from the really from the time that I was in North Carolina to at that point in time and like six years ago she's at the University of North Carolina Chapel Hill and she called me in the afternoon I was like her big brother so and she never called me I always called her that's what big brothers do right <laughs> and so she calls me at like 2:30 in the afternoon and I'm like she never calls me at two thirty, mm-hmm. So I thought to myself, okay, this is either a spiritual problem or this is a boy problem. <laughs> and as a former Marine, I got the skills to handle the boy. Right. 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 <laughs> and so she's like, hey, I'm really struggling with Christianity being true. And I'm like, okay, like what's, what's going on? And at this time I was in my master's uh, courses in apologetics at Biola. And she said, well, I'm taking this class on New Testament uh, on, on, on the introduction to the New Testament and the teacher's telling me things that I have never heard before uh, that I've never studied never thought about and it's really shaken me up and I said well who's your teacher and uh, she said well it's this guy named Dr. Bart Ehrman uh, yeah, uh, hello, Bart. Okay. and I'm like okay and so they were, they were working through his book uh, misquoting Jesus the story of who changed the Bible and why mm-hmm. And at that point, I was in my master's study, and we were taking, and I was taking uh, Scripture Canon and Authority, and we were talking about Bart Ehrman, <laughs> who changed, you know, misquoting Jesus, and said, "Okay, well, let's do this. Let's let's meet every day after class on the phone and talk about what was on, in class." And thankfully, you know, we worked through that, and she's still a Christian today. Um, but it got me thinking, like, if that will happen to her and her family, wa- is still. Um, Every Sunday, they're there every Sunday, they're every Wednesday participating in church events, things like that. If that's going to happen to her, right. what about people who are not in the same spiritual orientation as she is? Right. Right? And so it, it raises the question for me, how in the world is this happening? Like we are, we're, As the church, we are investing in young people for 18 years of their life. And, they're ta- and that was the first year, first semester at Chapel Hill. And the question is, like, how in the world is that happening? We're investing in these young people for 18 years. They're going off to school in their first year, first semester, one of their first classes. They're coming back and they're asking questions like, is this true? And so for me, it was, All right, well, we've got to do, I've got to do something about that. And so that's kind of how the, the origin of the Daily Apologist started. Primarily, we are a social media um, apologetics organization that, is concentrated in the areas of uh, philosophy and history of yeah. Christianity, and so essentially, what we will do is we will we'll write blogs, we will do podcasts, the Daily Apologist podcast, um, and then we'll provide free online training videos. We just actually launched Apologetics One Hundred and One with World Bible School. They just posted that uh, last week, which was really cool to see yeah, on their absolutely. website. And so what we have a desire to do is if we can train people n- and, and help people learn how to think um, and not just what to think, then we can, we can train people to better interact with a culture that is now clearly
0: yeah.
2: post-truth, post-Christian culture. So that's essentially the nexus, the s- synopsis of, of who we are. Sure. how I got
1: started. Well, I know Bart from a... Uh a live debate that GBN recorded mm-hmm. with Kyle Butt and Bart Ehrman. I remember that. And uh, I was actually one of the cameramen for that debate, nice. and so I got to record that and be present that day. And I know that uh, much damage has been done mm-hmm. by his writings.
2: I would I would argue. You know, we always we like to talk about uh, guys like Richard Dawkins, mm-hmm. um, but I would argue that Bart Ehrman's work has done more to um damage the faith of Christians than anything that Dawkins has ever yeah, done. Sure. I would argue that. I can see that. Uh, because Dawkins is arguing from a position of here's evolution and this this is uh right, therefore you don't need God. And and Dawkins himself is not a Christian. Erman was was not just a Christian, was, was, quote, Christian, but he would classify himself as a conservative Christian, going to, like, Moody Bible Institute and then switching. Yeah. And his focus is not on, you know, things like biology. His focus is on, here are the problems with the text itself and this is why it's not reliable. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, a, a way bigger claim um, to a certain degree, a more a more direct hit on not just the mental aspect of the Christian, but like the lifestyle of a Christian. Sure. Right. I know I've always
1: said, and I'm sure you've said it too, and you've probably preached it as well. Most preachers I've ever heard preach have made the statement. If you can find one fault with the word of God, everything else crumbles. Right. Right. Because if, if God's word is not as true as it claims to be, then it does not hold any weight. And mm-hmm. what right. he's doing by attacking, here are the problems with the text, right. is he's, he's taking the one argument that if he can prove there is a problem with the text, then yes, he's correct. We do have an issue. There is no God to believe in. There is no right. reason to to follow after him. And that is, I, I agree with you, I know Dawkins' work is not great by any means, but mm-hmm. when you have someone saying, hey, the, the text has an issue, and then you hear preachers in the pulpit saying that statement, yeah, that's going to cause a ton of doubt. A lot of problems will happen from that. Right. Uh, and so, I'm thankful that though his works are there, that debate with Kyle Butt did very well. I'm thankful that his works kind of helped spawn what you're doing and going forward and doing what you're involved in now because that is that's a big big need.
2: Yeah, and and as we as we move forward. Um, Culturally, I was just having a conversation with a brother in Christ earlier. Uh, social media is not going away, right, right, <laughs> right. It's it's not the Walkman from like the mm-hmm. '80s and '90s. It's not just going to be here for a period and then sure. leave. It is. Uh, we we now live in a generation um, with kids who are called digital natives. They don't know what life was like without yeah. something technologically yeah. in their hands. That's crazy. Right. That is crazy. <laughs> I was like, man, I remember when the first iPod came out. Yeah. Right. Yeah, iPod shuffles. Uh-huh. Right? right. Oh, yeah. Um, but these kids, they, they just grow up with tech, and it's yeah. just not going to go away. And so we are trying to fill the space uh, there. Um, I just said earlier in the seven minutes of, of wisdom uh, with the young people is when we look out at um, – like YouTube channels. And I understand that there's worries about social media and I get that. But when you look out at YouTube channels, atheist YouTube channels outnumber, um, you know, content creators that would call themselves Christians Mm -hmm. by like a four to one ratio. Mm -hmm. And so the question we have to ask is the church is, are we going to wait and be reactive to this 10 years from now? Yeah. Or are we going to be proactive about it now? Sure. Um, because when you're when you are reactive, you're always on defense. You're always playing catch up. But when you're proactive, yeah. you can cut that stuff off. Absolutely. You know uh, where it begins, um, and and really have a positive impact on on culture. Sure. I mean, if it were up to me, uh, if if I could wave a magic wand and say, you know, what are the two things that every congregation needs? It'd be one, a social media minister, and two, a minister of apologetics to train the church. Sure. And and my question is where are they yeah
0: absolutely well, <laughs> where, think, where are they <laughs> i think that in some very real sense you have to meet people where they are absolutely um especially with our young people yeah. um you've got to get on platforms that they are on um and that's you know i i don't know if these people are just they're scared of social media or they know there's bad things on social media so they just want to completely avoid it or what but our young people are there so we've got to make a presence on there and yeah. be on there and have it's, some kind of influence
2: um you know I don't want to get too uh, on my on my soapbox here, because <laughs> um, because then y'all might get in trouble. Um, but but it's almost like back in the 90s when I was growing up, the taboo thing to talk about was uh, you know what is sex, what's good about it, what's bad about it, and the way that I grew up, i don't know about you guys, but the way I grew up, it was always this nasty, dirty thing that you 're not supposed it's to do taboo. and and we're not supposed to talk about it, yeah, well, if the church ain't going to talk about it, well the kids are going to learn it, and right. they're not going to learn it from the church going right, learn it right. from the world, same yep. thing with social media. We can talk about the bad things of social media, which are valid claims that are there, but what would we rather what would we rather have? would we rather have our kids um navigating social media in a a spiritually negative way or do we want to show them an example of this is how our church family is utilizing social media to reach into the world yeah sure and this is what we want you to do if you have that passion you can go in there and you can be an effective evangelist in, in the social media uh you know, area. It is the marketplace of ideas, mm. whether, we, whether we like that or, or know that or not. So, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well,
1: and I think about it from the idea of, you said it from the perspective of, of sex, what are, what's going to happen if we don't teach our children the correct way to view that and teach them in a way that is appropriate, of course. Right. But if I don't teach my children the views of an atheist and how to combat them, I can't be surprised when those views stump them. Yeah. And that's what you mentioned, a, a statistic that, you know, the atheistic YouTubers far outweigh in views, even what people would call Christian YouTubers. And I think that's twofold. Number one, we were always taught growing up, if you see something, you need to know what it is to know how to combat it. Right, so I'm going right. to go and watch his his video just as much as an atheist would because right. I want to know what he's saying. But I also right. have to be prepared and know how to answer it. And if I don't know how to do that, I'm not really doing anything good for people by talking about how bad it is. And then when they <laughs> right. say, okay, we'll prove that it's bad. Well, it's bad. Well, it's bad, yeah. <laughs> well, you know. it's bad, yeah.
2: Um. <laughs> no, no, you're right. And, and let me, if I can, share yeah. a story. So a couple of years years ago here at um, PTP, we, uh, a, a friend of ours you know, came over to, to the booth. And whenever I go and do a, a seminar, I do a role play called Aaron the Atheist. And they're like, I want you to do Aaron the Atheist on my kid. And I was like, and I didn't know them that well at the time. They were a, a friend of a friend. And I'm like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah. And so I talked to this young person and I said, my name is Aaron. Uh, I'm an atheist. I grew up just like you. Uh, but then I went to college and I learned that there's you know, problems with Christianity. And they said, well, I said, so let me ask you a question. Why do you think that that's true? Why do you, th- why do you think Christianity's is true? And the young person said, well, I believe it's true because it's in the Bible. I believe Christianity is true because it's in the Bible. And I said, okay, well, how do you know that that thing that you're holding in your hand is historically reliable? Mm-hmm. And by the end of our conversation, the young person was crying and, and the mother looked at me and said, fix it. <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's fix this. Right. But, but you would be surprised the, the, the main three answers that people give as to why they're Christian are, I had an experience mm-hmm. growing up and mm-hmm. um, I'm a Christian because it's in the Bible, right? And that's the way that I was raised. You know who else gives that answer? Mormons. Yeah, sure, <laughs> right. Uh, and and what I like to say is, okay, well, what if a what if a Muslim came up to you and you asked them why they were Muslim? They said, well, I had an experience. Mm-hmm. I was raised that way, and it's in the Quran. Yeah. Would you accept that as a good answer as to why they're why they're Muslim? And they said, well, no, of course I wouldn't. Well, well, if that, well, if that's not a a good answer that we would take from the muslim then then why would we give that answer right yeah. right right <laughs> absolutely so so and and that's the issue we have to sure. we have to instill in people and we have to discover why do we believe what we believe sure. and that's that's one of the things that we're after at the daily apologist we just absolutely. don't want to tell people here's the answer to the origins of the universe but here's why that's a good answer right i get
1: i get really upset when uh, I hear preachers or parents say, "Well, just quote Psalm fourteen one," mm. you know, okay, <laughs> okay, that's that's a great passage, right? But if I don't believe the Quran, like you mentioned, you can quote it to me all day long. Sure. It doesn't make a difference in my mind. Yeah. What we've got to start doing is deconstructing what an atheist believes by proving the, histo- the historicity of the Bible, the infallibility of the Bible, the indestructibility of the Bible, all of the things that have to be proven to make it hold weight. Because right. if it doesn't hold weight, you're just wasting
2: your breath. Right. Well, mm. I've got a guy on Facebook right now um, from a video way back when uh, – uh, um, uh, a, uh, <laughs> you are at PTP. Right no, uh, no, I, the guy was on YouTube and he was saying, "If anybody can show me a passage where Jesus called himself God, you know, I'll convert right now." And yeah. so I sent a message to him. Like, there's like a bunch of I am statements in the Gospel of John. He's referencing Exodus. There, uh, go tell them I am sent you. Yeah. And I was like, "So are you going to come to the United States and can I baptize you?" <laughs> and one of his buddies is just on my Facebook feed every so often will just continue to send me verses from the Quran. Yeah. And I continue telling him, I don't believe that's true. You have to tell me why that's true. Sure. Yeah. And the same thing would happen if I did the same thing to him. Right. So that's where, that's where we operate and that's where we are trying to, to help people navigate in, in that space. Right. For For sure. Absolutely. So
0: absolutely. Well, as we close these things, unless Michael has no, no. anything else, let me ask you one more question. Yeah. <laughs> um, Obviously, we're talking about how important it is knowing and being equipped with um, apologetics, how to defend the things in which we believe. What are some things that you would recommend to a young person or maybe even to like a parent, perhaps, who's trying to help equip? What are some things that you can do that would help someone be equipped or be ready for that?
2: Well, outside of navigating the brotherhood resources that we have, um, I would say, number one... A, a young person is never too young to start learning apologetics. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Never too young. Absolutely. We we think that they're only supposed to start learning this when they get to high school or in college mm-hmm. when there's a crisis of faith. Yeah. Start, start your yeah. children yeah. young. Absolutely. Start your children young. Uh, just the other night, I was putting Nora Grace down. She's my oldest. I was putting her down to bed, and we had a conversation like, hey, what do you think about about God Mm -hmm. and she's like I love God I'm like well (laughs) did you know that you're made in the image of God she's like well what does it mean to be made in the image of God and just a great question uh, for a young person to a a six year old to ask right so start your children young and then I think the the next thing that we need to do is we ourselves as parents um, we need to be equipped in that area, not that we have to be experts, yeah, but we have to uh, know enough to be dangerous, right? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, because here's the thing: um, I, I can send my kid off to the youth minister that knows apologetics. I can send them off to the preacher that knows apologetics. But it, but at the end of the day, when they have questions about life, about purpose, about meaning, they're gonna come to me mm. if I have a good relationship with them and say, like, mm-hmm. what? Why do you think God exists? Yeah, right. I'll Absolutely. give you. I'll give you a, a real quick example guy that I knew, grew up with, helped convert me, went off to uh, Brotherhood University, uh, knew some students who were um, atheists at the Brotherhood University, they asked him some tough questions, he came back home, went to his dad, they were working on a car one day, looked at his dad and started asking him these questions, dad looked at him and said, you need to stay away from that stuff. Uh. Mm. And later on, I did a worldview interview for Biola, and I asked him, when did you lose your faith in Christianity? he goes, when I had a conversation with my dad who told me to run away from these questions rather than answer these questions. Yeah. Right? So we have to be equipped. And then what I would say is just like studying anything else, um, go ahead, get the resources that you need to study and dive into it. Take the time to study these issues uh if if you are not up to date about what it means to be non binary. Yeah. If you're a parent and you don't understand what sure. it means to be uh transgender, um, if you don't know what it means, uh you know, if you don't if you don't have those tools in your tool belt, um you and your family are gonna be hurting. Sure. Because the and, kids know. Uh, right. right. So a couple of resources is got yeah. a human invention by Sean McDowell. Evidence that demands a verdict, the update. And then um, Christian Apologetics Volume Two by a guy by the name of Doug Groteis are really good foundational books cool. uh, that are out there. Uh, and then on on top of that, anything that uh, you know any Brotherhood um, organization puts out there on the on the internet or for sale, go ahead sure. and, and pick yeah. those up. Absolutely. So, so I yeah.
1: got I got two final things yeah, just on that. Number one. I love you because we're family. Uh, he married right. my cousin, Hillary. I right. uh, meant to say that earlier. But number two, <laughs> I like what you just said there. Uh, I'm not a against Brotherhood Works with what I'm about right. to say. And I think Brotherhood Works need to be read and they need to be considered because – we know that they are they have the truth and we want to right. read what they have to say. But that doesn't mean that there are not works out there yeah. that are not uh that are automatically unprofitable because they weren't written by a member of the church. Right. We often quote Josephus. There is no <laughs> right. record that Josephus was ever a member of the Lord's church and yet everybody loves <laughs> <Right>. Josephus. <laughs> right. And yet today we'll hear certain names and we'll go, Well, he's he's not of the Brotherhood. Right. And and that's okay so long as what he's written is appropriate and true. Right. As long as you don't start to believe everything that he says is true, then you can do that. there were things Josephus believed and wrote that I wouldn't I wouldn't hold to. Right. I just wouldn't do that. But he wrote a bunch of things that prove the history of the Bible and therefore right. he's worthy of consideration.
2: Right. And and maybe this is uh, opening up a can of worms for another podcast, but that statement that you made, well he's not of the brotherhood, therefore you can't read it. Well is that an indictment on that person or is that an indictment on the brotherhood? Yeah. Sure. Right.
1: And it seems like it's the same analogy that that father told it. You need to run away from You need to stay away
2: from that stuff. Okay, well,
1: why is he so dangerous? Why can't (laughs) I read (laughs) it now? I understand every book that is not completely covered in truth is kind of like eating a fish. There's bones that must be spit out. Right. But that doesn't mean that I tell my family and I tell my friends, don't eat fish, because you might have a bone that you have to spit out. I think we just teach them the appropriate way. And maybe part of it is parents being read up on these writers and knowing what they believe. And when there's a conversation about it, you can then say, okay, now he said this. Do you know what that means? Can we cover that real quick? And it just, a lot of it seems like it's more of an onus on the parents. Mm-hmm. And I have to be willing to do that as a father. All three of us are fathers. We have to be willing right. to do that. But so do our listeners. They have to be willing to say, it starts and stops with me. If I don't train my children at home, I can't expect for my college professors that will be for my children to do the right job by them either.
0: Right. Good point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Dean, thank you so much for taking Thank the time. you, guys. Appreciate what you guys do. I know you got to hop out of here in just a minute. Um, so good. Head, head back. But um, where can people find all the stuff that you know about all right. guys. So
2: all of our, all of our content is uh, at thedailyapologist.com. All of our social media is, you guessed it, The Daily Apologist, <laughs> right? Easy. Um, if you're on other things like um, the Ministry League app or yeah. World Bible School, we have The Daily Apologist podcast is on the Ministry League app. Our course, uh, Apologetics 101, is on World Bible School. Uh, and so we would encourage you guys to take a look at that stuff, like uh, and follow. and And if you have any questions, like I, i'm I'm dead serious. If anybody has a question that they are struggling with, that they need help with, then just send an email to the daily apologist at gmail and I will do, our team will do the best that we can to help you answer that question because we care. So go that's ahead and awesome. do that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that's we're going to put
0: all your stuff in our show notes below cool. where our awesome. listeners can go right to it. Um, thank you so much for the work you do. I know that that is a work that's not done near enough in the Lord's church so maybe we can collab well, on appreciate some you stuff guys the and thanks
2: for giving me the time to come Abs- out here and, absolutely. and talk absolutely so thank
0: you guys hug your family for me alright we'll do <laughs> alright <laughs> well thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast again we're always grateful to have you all as an audience um, be on the lookout we're going to get this episode um, posted here on uh, on all of our social media platforms and all of our podcast platforms here in just a couple of minutes so be on the lookout for that and um, we're going to be recording a bunch of other highlights throughout the week while we're here at PTP so if you have any any uh brotherhood work that you know of that's a PTP that you want us to talk about, you want us to talk with, then uh, let us know. Just shoot us a DM or an email. Uh, but other than that, thank you so much for being with us on this episode. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much, and God bless. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode.
1: Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, And we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use. And please continue to keep our network in your prayers.
0: As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.